Are you craving incredible song recitals? Are you interested in a behind-the-scenes view into professional song making at the highest levels of artistry? Are you looking to develop your own artistic and entrepreneurial skills as a classical musician in this ever-changing 21st century landscape? If you found yourself saying yes to any of those questions, look no further than Cincinnati Song Initiative's week-long program, The Fellowship of the Song. Taking place this year from May 19 through 26, The Fellowship brings together some of the country's brightest song performers and teachers for a week of classes, concerts, and study events. And we invite you to join us as an auditor, either in person in Cincinnati or online wherever you may be located. When you join the fellowship as an auditor, you gain instant access to the entire week's events and can go back and relive the magic through HD video recordings of each and every session. To learn more about this incredible new opportunity, visit CincinnatiSongInitiative.org slash audit. Hey everyone, I'm Laura LaFour and this is Song Cycle the official podcast of Cincinnati Song Initiative, where we talk everything song. It's history, it's creation, it's performance, and it's ability to keep us connected through stories. In this episode, I am talking with my darling friend, the artist formerly known as Nicolette Book, and now known as Nicolette Raider. This conversation was very timely for me personally, because Nicolette and I got the chance to talk about handling life transitions with grace. This was truly a no-holds-barred conversation about the pain that comes with transitioning out of the arts and how, in many ways, the arts are always with us and that life has a funny way of getting us where we need to be, even when we feel totally lost. I know I joke all the time that this podcast started selfishly since I just wanted to talk to my friends and role models. And this particular episode is a reflection of that because this was a conversation I needed to have. And afterward, well, I got to spend an amazing hour with my friend. And like all quality time spent with friends, you always feel better, more capable, more worthy, and more loved than you did before. And sometimes, just sometimes, you get a life hack for your grilled cheese sandwich out of it. Welcome everyone to yet another episode of Song Cycle. Today I am sitting virtually uh, over Zoom with the arguably One of the most lovely and gorgeous and beautiful people on the face of the planet, uh, Nicolette Rader. And we're both sharing a glass of red wine. I don't know what you're drinking, but mine is boxed and it's from Costco. (laughs) (laughs) Mine's also from Costco, but it is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that journey. I love it. I think mine's a (laughs) cow. I don't know. But anyway, so I'm here with Nicolette and I am going to let her introduce herself because I certainly will not do her justice. Nicolette, thank you so much for being here. Um, Thank you for having me. So it's kind of, I'll try to keep it brief because um, to pertain to this podcast, I have a lot of like little bits of information, but my name is Nicolette Rader. Um, my maiden name is book. So lots of people in the opera world know me as Nicolette book. Um, and I still go by that professionally. Um, 
I am, I was an opera singer slash, I mean, I guess I still am. Um, if you for, still have vocal folds, you're still an opera singer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, I mean, my entire life really at this point, um, my entire working life. And, uh, I took a veer, uh, away from music for, um, a few years and I became a nurse and I specialized in labor and delivery Um, and I am currently still working there. However, starting Monday, I will be beginning a new job, actually going in back into the arts, um, but in a very different capacity, which will be in the business side. And that will be as, um, an event manager for an opera company. So, um, definitely coming a little bit full circle for me and, um, lots of, lots of big changes. And that's kind of what we talked about what we were going to talk about. Yeah. So we were talking about just before we officially started the podcast um, recording that like, I have a platform. We at CSI have a platform in which we can talk about kind of life transitions and life changes. And the fact that like, we kind of need to start normalizing that the career that is sort of idyllic and that we as precious young tender 18 year olds going into college think that all of us are going to have might look a little bit different once we reach a new decade in life i won't say which decade but once you reach a new decade (laughs) (laughs) and nicolette and i had the opportunity um, to reconnect for some csi stuff and we just got to talking and I realize you are the queen of gracefully managing life transitions and also still maintaining your love of music. And that's a beautiful and precious thing. And I was like, I need to, we need to talk about this on the record. So that's why we're here. I I don't know that I'm the queen of it, although I really, really appreciate that. Um, you are to me. So <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think changes are really, really difficult, especially for musicians. Um, and for me particularly, uh, the hardest part was that, you know, my whole life, I didn't have a plan B. So opera was it, opera was it, that was it. That was all I was going to do. That was what I was going to do till the end and, you know, make or break. I was going to be the starving artist. And it was a really hard uh, decision to end up leaving the platform. And as many of my friends and colleagues can probably attest to that for me, they never saw that really coming. Um, but I do think it's really important to talk about how, when you are a musician and you are leaving music, it doesn't make you not a musician. Um, even though it feels like it, and it totally feels like your world is falling around you and you have no control over anything. And also, that leaving music isn't the end of the world. Like, I mean, it really truly isn't. Um, You will move on and you will find things to be happy in um, and find, and, you know, for me, ended up being going back into music. It's not like that for everybody. So that, I mean, that's kind of the, the thing I think most people need to talk about. You're absolutely right. And I think I've had, I know I told you this, and I had this conversation with at least eight people a couple weekends ago, <laughs> that there's there's this part of us, maybe it's because it's music is what we're so passionate about, singing is what we're so passionate about, playing piano, whatever it might be, 
that we are so passionate about it, obviously it becomes a very core part of how we identify ourselves. And so when that career doesn't work out exactly as people told us it should, or a career doesn't look like what people say it should look like, all of a sudden we go through this really intense identity crisis that is very painful and for so many people I've talked to has like made them physically ill, has made them depressed, has, you know, you uh, name yeah. it. Absolutely. I mean, I was one of those people. I absolutely was very, very depressed and I had never really felt that to that extreme before. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of like going through that and coming out of that on the other side you know, whoever really does, once you understand what depression is, I don't know that you ever really do hundred percent rebound. Like, I think you carry that with you. Um, but it does also say a lot that it makes you into a more well-rounded person and it makes you like, it makes all of us musicians and musicians, I think, especially are just so well-equipped for the world. I mean, we have so many experiences that other people have never had, or we explore. And it's just, you know, for actors, for artists, for anybody, you have to explore every range of everything and, you know, leaving your curated, your like your artist title behind is no different. You're experiencing something that you can apply to something in the future. And that's so important. And I think that's like, when you talked about like gracefully moving into a new, you know, direction, I think that really is what it is is using what you have every single thing down to even the depression that you were experiencing because other people can relate to that. That's amazing. I didn't even think about that. How as artists, we have also the ability to sort of take even the worst low in our life that brings us, you know, down to the depths that we can still take that and use that as um, kind of an emotional experience that we can apply to kind of move ourselves forward. Cause I know, I don't know if any of y'all are like me, but when I get down there, I just wallow. <laughs> I just wallow. <laughs> you do, you do, right? You wallow for a while and then you come out of it at some point and you're like, I'm done. I'm done with that portion of my life. And then you can turn it into something so beautiful and something motivating. Exactly. Exactly. This I is mean, why really you're true. the queen of beauty and grace. I know. <laughs> Truly. I so know. I want to rewind just a little bit and kind of talk where I'm going to kind of bring it back to the beginning. Yeah. So you are a trained opera singer. Can yes. you talk a little bit about kind of what got you into that and why, um, what were the motivating factors behind you pursuing like a career in music and what did that career sort of ideally look like for you? Oh, okay. So that's I mean, a loaded raised, question. It is very loaded, especially at the end. The idea, what does it ideally look like? And I so, have a reason for asking you about <laughs> that particular part of it. Cause I just kind of want to hear what the arc was of like young doe-eyed, like I'm going to go to music school. And then right. like what that experience was actually for you and what kept you going through it and what that ultimate motivation was to have the career to, I'm big air quotes to make it. So what was that trajectory like for you? So, um, you know, I, I always loved singing. So I took a lot of lessons. I was in choirs, all the things, and I auditioned for undergrad. And I think that's kind of the, the normal realm of how people kind of get into this business is they love it 
and they just see if it's an option for them. And, you know, I got a scholarship. My parents were like, you know, you can't say no to that, even though one of my parents did not want me to be a musician, but you can't say no. You know, sometimes it's just like, you can tell that it's the right path. So, you know, get into undergrad. And I remember in undergrad, and I was talking about this yesterday, actually, I remember in undergrad, my professors very strongly, I mean, they were very excited for us and pushing us to be the best and all the things. And I was so, so, so grateful for that experience, but also they were like, if you can do anything else, do it. And I never really grasped that because at the end of the day, when somebody tells me something like that, I'm going to say, screw you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it better than you ever could have imagined. And I think that's a lot of people in the, the music industry and like the art industry. That's our thing, right? Like if you're going to tell me I cannot do this, you better watch out. And so that's what happened, right? Like I had a fire under my, you know, quote unquote, my booty and not the booty. booty. (laughs) And, and, and I just, I ran with it. Right. So I went to grad school. I stayed, you know, I, I got into CCM, which is amazing. I, it like, I had a very good trajectory and I had what, um, many would call a very, very successful young artist career. And, um, and that's what they tell you. See, this is, goes back to like what you imagine your ideal career being, right? So I remember in undergrad, I was seeing all of these people go into these young artist programs and then get launched. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that, I could totally do that because I'm a go-getter and I work my, I work my butt off to get where I need to be. And I have the talent and I have all of these things that are going to be the great equation for that. And I did that and I did the young artist thing. And then it's not like I was waiting for a launch. I worked. I mean, I was looking for gigs and looking for this, that, and the other thing, but there's no such real thing as a launch for some people. Yes, there is. Um, but I think for the majority of us, there's not, it's the slow, steady kind of climb, you know, ripping your fingernails off to get to where you want to be. And absolutely. If you want it, that's, that's for you. And I wanted it. So I fought for it, but I got to a point where it wasn't for me. And we can talk about that later, but the ideal visual is that like, Oh, you're going to go through these young artist programs and you're going to be launched and people are going to know you. People knew me, people knew me. It didn't really make a difference because this is a very difficult field to have like uh, success is a weird word, but like significant, like you don't have to work any other jobs. This is your only job. This is your career success. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So, I I mean, I hope that answers your question in terms of like, kind of like what that ideal. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, not to say that there isn't something to be said for, like, there are so many artists that I know that didn't go the artist route and are super successful. I mean, they, all they do is live, breathe and sing. And, um, and that's a completely different route, but I think a lot of, a lot of people that come out of school and, and look at opera, think of it in the terms of the launch. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, this brings me to kind of a follow-up question to that, because I 
If I had a dollar for every time someone said, if you can do anything else, do it, I would have paid off all of my student loans by now. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That's apart from, aside from that, I digress. Um, but there, I feel like no one in academia, at least not while I was in school, really, well, actually, that's not entirely true, but I really wasn't peddled this idea of like, here's like the prescribed route to success. I feel like it was kind of perpetuated more by my colleagues. And I don't know if you had that experience. Uh, I think that it, I, I think I agree with you. I think a lot of it is colleagues that kind of, well, I, so much of it right now, I think is social media too. Like you totally. look and you see who you think is successful on every tier, you know, from the young artist successful to, you know, international success, et cetera. And you look at what they did and you're like, oh, this is the trajectory they were on. That's a trajectory that I think that I could maybe pursue. I think a lot of it is that because I will say few and fewer and farther between are the people that make it without the young artist success, not to say that they're not there, but you don't notice them as much because the young artist success is like, it's more uh, visual, you know, you see them on that track all the way through. Yep. So it's just kind of, it's that social media, like, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? And that's kind of what that is. Um, so I think for me, it was, it was peers via maybe social media. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I know that I definitely feel that like FOMO when I see even people who I'm like, your living room is better decorated than mine. You know? <laughs> we all have that. And then we all, all of a sudden that. I'm like, oh, you're in like a young artist program. You're doing this, this, and this, you have, you know, contracts with these companies, you are under mm -hmm. this management. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, the dreaded season <laughs> announcement, which like. <laughs> Hashtag threat I... to announce. <laughs> And I, you know what? I have so many mixed feelings about that too, Laura, because at the end of the day, you should be so proud to announce what you're doing under zero circumstances. Should you say people, I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing because I think it's a little weird and that people are touting what they're great. No, tell what you're doing. It's great that you're doing well. Right. But at the same time, it doesn't change the fact that I'm looking at that and saying, oh God, I wish that was me, you know, <laughs> like for it, but it doesn't change. But I, I do want to make it very clear that people should not be afraid to post their success because that is very important. I feel like, especially in the artistic realm where we literally pay people to tear us down on a regular basis. <laughs> well, you know, you, yes, you have your own marketing. Exactly. Be your marketing. Have, Again, you know, be seen, be, be the person that's seen by these youngins. You know what I mean? Like that's absolutely what we should be doing. Totally. But I'm with you there where I see it sometimes and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard not to be <laughs> like, I, I, I don't want to say jealous, but it's hard not to look at it and say, oh, you know, I want some of those contracts that would have been so great to play that role mm -hmm. or to, to have that full of, you know, a regimen for this year. Totally. Because also I think a lot of being a musician is kind of sometimes being this very type A person where you want to be busy all the time. I know that you can <laughs> agree with that. I, you, I, when I'm not busy, I become like a slob. I become, <laughs> does nothing. I, I, if I'm not busy, I do nothing. And when I'm busy, I do everything, right? I can get everything done from top to bottom. I make my list. I have my timings done. 
And I am, I'm super successful in creating every single day to the best of it, of my ability. But when I've got nothing, I got, I got truly nothing. And I, I think from a musician standpoint, that's also hard to see like, oh, this person has all of these things going on. And I have what I'm sitting on my couch today, (laughs) you know, you know, but maybe they wish they were sitting on their couch. You, you're not wrong. They, my couch is very comfortable. The they grass is. <laughs> they were sitting on my couch. It's a great couch. <laughs> so let's move on now. So you had this vision for what your career was going to look like, and then you mentioned that you just kind of didn't want to wreck your manicure by like doing that climb and scraping by with your fingernails. So what? you went into nursing like what kind of what prompted that i mean i don't think it's completely unreasonable i think a lot of people who end up doing music end up in some kind of medical profession Mm -hmm. i'm not quite sure why that is and what that connection is but so you you decided to go into nursing um can you talk a little bit about what that transition was like for you and like i also understand that this is arguably probably one of the most vulnerable and painful times you've ever been through so like I understand if you don't want to like divulge or go like super deep into this, but as someone who is going through something very similar right now, and I know a lot of people I talk to are also going through something similar. I just think it's important to talk about, to know that like you're not alone when you go through these transitions and are experiencing how just like gut wrenching it is. Yeah. So, um, you know, my decision to leave came from a mental health perspective. I mean, many, many factors played a role, um, but probably the largest one was a mental health perspective. Um, and, you know, I was happy, you know, to wreck the manicure in many ways, but I wasn't really happy to wreck my well-being. And um, I became very uh, anxious. Um, I had a lot of performance anxiety because once you get up there, you got to be perfect every time. And I think when you're younger, you're like, I I felt like I was invincible. And now I was like, not now, but you know, when I was contemplating leaving, I did not feel like that anymore. I was like, wow. Um, the things that I thought were so easy, these high notes, uh, they're clamping up on me because I'm so nervous to be perfect all the time. So regardless, I, I decided to make the decision to kind of phase out. And the big choice there was that, you know, I was still going to sing on the side maybe not full big things, not do like a full audition season. Um, and I was going to take some classes to see if I could get my prerequisites done for nursing school, because for me, I was like, you know, what are things that translate really well? I love working with people. I love talking to people. I love being somebody's support system. That's like one of my favorite things. It's so rewarding. And what better way to do that than to be a nurse specifically, I wanted to do labor and delivery from the start. Um, so I had a goal in mind. Um, however, <laughs> my first audition season that passed without me auditioning, um, when I say depression hit, I mean, it hit very, very hard. I couldn't get myself out of bed. I could not walk my dogs. I mean, I couldn't, I just couldn't do things and it was, I couldn't get dressed in the morning. I couldn't put makeup on and I love makeup. If you know me, I love makeup. I love doing my hair. I love dressing well. So that was a huge, huge, huge shift for me. Um, and it was probably the darkest time of my life because my identity was gone. 
And I think that's something that a lot of people really, really can agree with me on when they have decided or thought about leaving opera, that it's, it's not leaving a career. It's leaving your identity behind. And I mean, I can't tell you how many people messaged me when I finally came out after doing nursing school, or like if they found out kind of through like the whispers that I was kind of leaving and were like, oh my gosh, you know, keep in touch about it. Like, this is something that I've been thinking about. Like, can we talk? Can we, I had so many phone calls. I had so many text conversations or like even Facebook messenger conversations with people that I didn't know super, super well, but knew, but they knew me well enough to know that this was a huge shift and they wanted to talk about it. It is so painful. And I, and I think that for anybody that's thinking about leaving the arts in the kind of a big way, like I did, um, you got to know that you're going to go through some pain. Um, and that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. However, it is temporary. And that's kind of my mantra. Everything is temporary. Every single thing that we go through is temporary because you can always change it around. You can always push forward. And for me, I found something to kind of put my energy into. And that was nursing school. I got into nursing school. I started it, um, the following April. Um, I did a 16th month program and, um, (laughs) I don't know, maybe just being a musician, I was just super well prepared, but it, it, I wouldn't say it was a walk in the park, but it, it wasn't as hard as a lot of people, you know, set it out to be because I think as musicians, we do so much prep, (laughs) like we do so much work and so much prep and so much like time management and, um, memorization and all of that, that like, really, it was a honestly a very easy transition. Um, and then immediately got kind of my dream nursing job right out of the bat. I'm, you know, a year and change later, um, with a bachelor's degree under my belt. So, Um, yeah, the transition was miserable, but temporary. And I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway. It's awful. (laughs) One of the things that I thought was so surprising when you and I first started talking about this is you were like, I could not listen to music for like eight months. Oh yeah. No, I didn't even mention that. Yeah, I couldn't. I didn't listen to music in my car like not even like pop music, like not even just like pop culture or whatever, like anything. Like I could not listen to music. I couldn't, I didn't sing at all because it would make me cry. And, um, yeah, I, it was really hard. It was really hard. I I do now listen to music, but it's, (laughs) it's now been three years since then. Uh, but it's still like, sometimes it's, um, you know, my husband says he can tell when I'm happy because I sing in the shower or whatever, like around the house. Um, and I think that a lot of that is kind of hand in hand, right? Like when we leave our identity, which is as a musician behind, you leave your happiness behind for a time being. And, and I wouldn't, I, I don't think everybody probably will react like that. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but again, it was temporary. Like it came back, it came back in full force. You know, I go to events all the time. I listen to music all the time. I sing all the time. I was literally just singing 10 minutes, I don't know, 20 minutes ago at dinner. <laughs> so it, it's just, you know, I, I think that recognizing that that pain is really real and 
that you kind of have to live in it for a minute. Like you're not going to be able to just like push it down and push it aside and say, no, 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 we're not going to do that today. Like, no, you, you're going to have to deal with it. Um, and, and probably grow from it and move on and it'll be great. I'm just nodding my head vigorously over here because like, I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm just peanut butter and jelly. I'm right there. And just thank you for, for sharing that. Um, and I know in conversations that you and I've had, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really needed to hear this right now. (laughs) You know, like myself sobbing. And I do think that recognizing that I can't remember if I was talking to you about this or if I was talking to your husband about this, but like recognizing that um, there's kind of a point where something that you tell yourself that you wanted for so long and then you finally kind of get there and you're like, but wait, this isn't actually what I wanted. There's a Mm -hmm. moment of like you kind of mourn time lost you mourn a future lost Mm -hmm. and then you're in a moment of like pain but you see that there could be growth but you don't know like what kind of growth it's going to be yet and you get kind of lost in this just sort of abyss of like so i just wasted some time and the future i thought i had is now gone and i don't have any backups like you were saying like opera was plan a and that was the only plan yeah and you're just sitting there and you're like okay uh and the thing that you know helps well helped me and i'm assuming helped you like things like music poetry um having a like an emotional catharsis through music was no longer an option yes all the things that made me feel joy and color in my life i couldn't really utilize anymore because they just made me feel more sad. And I do think that exactly kind of what you were saying is that like, when you lose what your future looks like and what that time past looked like, and you realize, you know, I'm almost 30 years old and I've got nothing in, in the background. Um, it's, it's a lot of fear too. Like I had a lot of fear, uh, a lot of fear of, you know, where am I going? Where am I going? What am I doing? I like to have a plan. I'm very type A. Um, and when you don't have a plan, it is terrifying. It's terrifying. And, um, you know, for me, that's why I think I latched onto something that was so concrete so quickly. Um, and that may be one of the reasons why I'm leaving it kind of so quickly is that it really wasn't the right thing for me because in reality, what I needed at that time was stability because I was so afraid. I was so afraid about what the future held for me and where I could get quickly to be where I needed to be in my life. And, uh, that was nursing and, you know, lo and behold, then the pandemic happened and it was even more nursing because why would you leave nursing in the middle of a pandemic? That's silly. Um, I'm doing that right now, but (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I, the fear is real. The fear is real. It's debilitating. Yeah, it really is. And I, I know you and I have talked about this so much and I just think it's always, it always bears repeating. It's like, did you ever watch the show Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yes. Okay. So Kimmy has this, they were like, how did you survive in the bunker for so long? And she's like, I just kept counting to 10. She was like, I could survive anything for 10 seconds. 
which is actually such amazing advice when you think about it. Right. And this is what I'm saying. Everything is temporary. Everything is temporary. You can always move on. It's all good. I just remember that bit of advice whenever I'm working out and I'm like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> the perfect time to remember it, by the way, because every, every second is the worst. You're like, yeah. stop. No, 10 more I seconds. Can't. I oh, could survive for 10 seconds. Yes. <laughs> okay. So you went through this period of time where, you know, just things were pretty low. You know, the things that brought you joy, the things that you identified with, the things that you thought you were going to be doing for the rest of your life were no more. Okay. So you went into nursing. Great. Nursing was the stability and sort of the uh, foundation that you needed to because I feel like when you when you don't have any sort of stability, whether it's, you know, your living situation or your financial situation or your emotional, spiritual, mental situation, like if you don't have stability there, like you you don't have it's you don't have the ability to think more creatively. It's like Pavlov, not Pavlov's dogs, um, the hierarchy of needs. Who is that? I'm going to uh, embarrass Maslow. Maslow. Thank you. You know, unless those sort of basic fundamental like essentials of life are taken care of you can't really move beyond that to be like a higher creative being right so it sounds like nursing kind of fulfilled those basic needs for you and gave you the opportunity to be like okay i'm stable things seem to be going okay now where can i go to exercise my creativity so that led you to where you are now almost where you'll be Almost. on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> um, so can you talk a little bit about that transition and how like you kind of came full circle, like you said, to move from not being able to sing, not being able to listen to music and generally like not even being able to get out of bed, relatable, you know, to <laughs> moving back into something that like a few years ago was like so painful. And now you're like, I'm ready to get back into it. Yeah. I mean... So this actually, I, this particular situation was a little bit, um, a lot of it very unexpected. I knew as I was nursing, not to say that I didn't enjoy what I was doing for the most part, because I loved my patients. I loved bringing new life into this world. I mean, how exciting is that? Um, and also terrifying by the way, um, uh, which is exactly what performance is. So it was a great little transition for me. Um, but I kind of knew that there wasn't really a true future for me in it. I knew that I wasn't going to do bedside nursing forever. Um, and I also didn't really want to go into the management aspect or like climb the ranks in the, in that kind of field, because I'm not passionate about medicine. I'm just not, um, I'm passionate about helping people, but climbing the ranks in the medical field, you move farther and farther away from humans. Right. Um, so, you know, I had been thinking about where I was going to go, um, and kind of trying to find my place and I wasn't planning on leaving quite so soon, but a friend of mine, actually, Sam Martin, hey, uh, I know him. Yeah, what? <laughs> uh, you know, reached out to me and said there was a job posting on Cincinnati Opera's website and that. Um, he thought it would be kind of a good fit for me. And Sam and I have stayed pretty close through the years. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know about that. And he was like, no, I really think. And he kind of pushed me to apply. And I'm, thank you, Sam. I'm very grateful because 
after reading everything and talking to everybody and I reconnected with um, a lot of connections that I had at Cincinnati Opera, I got back into it. And what's so special about it is I already understand the objective. Like I already understand what the art, what opera is, why it's important, um, why people should love it um, and get excited about it and come to events for it. Um, and it's something that I have always had passion for my entire life. I mean, I've had passion for opera my whole, I mean, basically my whole adult life, probably from like 17 and on, um, I've loved opera and it's silly. I think to not work in a capacity for something that you have some sort of passion for. Um, and while I have passion for labor and delivery, it's not the same as my passion for opera. And it really, really is not. And, um, so this was actually kind of a fantastic transition for me. And I think that it's going to be a really great, uh, position overall. I'm like, just, I can't even tell you I'm over the moon about it. Um, but what's really special about it is that even though I am not the performer and I'm not even working directly with the artist, this is more of a development role. I get to share what is so beautiful and awesome about opera with, um, you know, like, <laughs> what we call like the muggles of the world, right? The non-magic folk, right? And we get to bring magic to them. And this is another way for me to bring magic to everyone else, everyone, opera or not. I mean, it's just, it's art. Um, And I think that's, I mean, that's what CSI does, right? Is tries to bring kind of like magic into the everyday world. And it's just, it's just, it it was an easy transition for me just overall. And I think that a lot of people will find kind of through their navigating different careers and different paths and kind of changes that you will always just kind of the, the world the universe will bring you back to what, where you need to be. And that's what happened to me. And I, and I think that that's like where the grace comes with the changes is I kind of just let kind of the universe tell me what to do. Right. I was like, Oh, this sounds good. I think I can do it. Well, I'm going to do nursing. Oh, that worked really well for me. I got in right away. All this stuff. Great, great, great. I got, you know, my dream specialty right away. That's awesome. Oh, now I'm going to, it's about taking opportunities where they come to you. Um, I think that's super important to remember. There's always going to be opportunities. They might not be right when you want them. Have patience. They will come. (laughs) I promise. I promise they will come because I'm telling you like every step of the way, every time that I've had a thought, something else has come my way. And it's just, you have to be really open and optimistic instead of like down on yourself about it because it, it does change. I think that's to your point. I think it's worth mentioning as well. This is a personal belief of mine, but I also think it's, I don't want to quite say it's scientific fact yet, but I'm waiting for someone to prove it. (laughs) That things really do like when they are right, even if it's not right for the long term, things just line up, right? Sort of it's the Mm -hmm. universe conspiring to put you where you need to be to give you what you need in that moment, whether it's through a job or a housing situation or a relationship or a friendship or whatever. The universe kind of puts people and things and places and opportunities in your life that you need at that time and lines everything up. So all of a sudden you're like, 
wait, how did I end up here? This is quite serendipitous, you know? And it's a beautiful thing, but it's hard when you aren't open to those things or you are so focused in on one particular dream. I feel like it's really easy to miss those signs of the universe saying like, hey, maybe you'd be better off over here for a little while. Yes, I 100% agree. I 100%, 1,000 bajillion percent agree with you because I do not for one second regret becoming a nurse. I think that it was probably the best thing for me in that time. I learned so much about myself, right? This is the thing, right? Sometimes those opportunities, and we do have to remember too, that we're never too good for anything. You're never too good to take something. And that is for, if you're staying in opera and you're taking a gig that you think is maybe lesser than what you should be paid. Um, not to say that you shouldn't be paid because artists should be paid always, but, um, you know, like you're never too good for something. You're never too good. If it's, if you feel like it's the right, if you really listen to your gut and you say, you know what, I think this is right, actually, then do it. That's going to be beneficial to you. It's going to add to your arsenal that little, like, you know, what is that? Like, what do carpenters wear? The little belts with all their little pockets and all their little tools. Like, (laughs) utility belts. Utility belts. You can tell I have no idea what I'm doing with that. Um, But you just put all of your things in your utility belt. You know, like, and you just pop it out when you're ready for it. Right. So now, because I have medical experience, number one, I know a lot about COVID, um, and going into an artistic field that is trying to navigate COVID and how to, um, you know, make sure that we don't spread it. Right. Like that is super beneficial. And I also know how to talk to medical professionals. I know how, I know how to kind of bridge the gap and medical professionals, like you were saying before medical and like the sciences go really well with music. Like they want to support the arts. So let's get them in on it. There's a lot that you can use from these like experiences that you're like, I don't know why the world took me there, but I'm glad that it did. And you just be open, just open, 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 open. And it's all good. Absolutely. So you mentioned COVID. I want to pivot just a little bit. So I feel like COVID for so many people, myself included, was a little bit too much time at home, a little bit too much time to think and reflect on your status in life, and a little bit too much time wondering if you should be doing something else or if you really should have had that second bottle of wine. You know, just a lot of time. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> should have had the second bottle of wine. Just a lot of time to think about life over some quarantinis. And so for you, working, so you decided to leave opera before the pandemic started, but you were nursing throughout the entirety of this nonsense we've been dealing with for the last, you know, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So do you think that some of that need or want or openness to change came from the pandemic and giving yourself time to sort of reflect on life? Or did you think it was just kind of a long time coming and you would have done it anyway? You know, I think that for me in particular, it was a long time coming and I would have done it anyway. Um, However, that's not to say that the pandemic hasn't changed so much that like, who's to say at this point? Um, I mean, it just in general, just thinking about like kind of this new opportunity that I have going back to work for an opera company is 
I don't think that this would have happened last year, right? We didn't have any shows going on. And now that we're starting to figure out how COVID works and trying to bring these artists back on stage and trying to create art form again in a live capacity, um, that opportunity opened itself up to me. So I, I do think that like for many people, a, I think a good question to ask yourself maybe would be, is COVID really what's making you change? And, and I do think for some people it is, I think for some people it's forcing them out of a particular, um, career path, whether it be opera or not. Um, and I, I think that it's just one of those things where it's, it's another situation where you just need to find yourself a way to pivot, um, and just kind of land on your feet. And it might not be a very graceful land on your feet. You might be sitting on your couch, drinking your second bottle of wine and you can't, you got to forgive yourself for that. Sometimes that's going to happen. And that's, you can just put that one in the past and be like, okay, today's the day that I'm going to move on and do something different. Um, screw COVID. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think for me to round it back, I think for me, it was a long time coming. I really do. And and I was actually very, very grateful that the universe chose for that to happen right before the pandemic hit, because I would be completely in the weeds and not knowing what to do. Um, so it really, I mean, I was very, very lucky in that sense. Yeah. I mean, we all saw what happened to the arts and especially the performing arts over the last two and a half years, just people who I, saw as like very successful people who in my opinion had quote unquote made it were really struggling and that's when I kind of looked at myself and I was like it's okay (laughs) we're okay right now (laughs) yeah like there was a certain level of artists that were just kind of like cut and like titanic style like you know they had they were pushed off the ship I mean, they, they didn't have any driftwood to hold on to. There was no, there was no driftwood. (laughs) There was no driftwood to be had. And I think that that is um, a really scary thought, right? Because exactly what you're saying, people that made it, I mean, they were holding on to that driftwood for dear life. And thank God for that, because now they're starting to finally get their, you know, their feet under them and work their way up again. But there's a whole, there's actually probably like a two-year gap of, of, young artists, literally young artists, not like young artists, like professional, like literally young musicians that might not ever get a foothold. And that is a terrifying and sad thought. I mean, it's really, really sad because there's so much talent out there. And I think that's the hard part. It's, oh, there's always been an overflow of talent. Absolutely. And if any of you young folks, like actual young folks who are... (laughs) (laughs) young at heart I guess but this is to the the age young but like I feel like if any of y'all are having this moment of like well maybe it's not worth it Nicolette just said ask yourself is it COVID making me doing do this (laughs) just ask yourself that question before you make any rash decisions because we still need you we still and you know what screw the comments if you can do anything else because I do think that to be a very good artist, that this should be pretty much all you want to do. Because if you're if you're doing other stuff and you're like, I could be an accountant, but I'm gonna try the singing thing. No, like, fine, fine. But if you could do anything else, 
why wouldn't you do opera? Why wouldn't you do music? Why wouldn't you be an artist? I think that all the time. I think it's so silly when people say that because it's always worth a shot. You can always find something else to do. You're a musician. People love hiring musicians. I have found. So you're welcome for that little bit. (laughs) No, absolutely. I also feel like there, and this is comes from my own sort of background in doing a lot of reading about like how we are all as creations ourselves, we are creative. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I know so, so many muggles who I'm like, you, there's a creative spark in you that like the world needs. There is never a lack of like, no one's going to wake up one day and just declare, no, we don't need creativity anymore. What would life be? What would life be? The worst. I'm sorry. When I am you know, having my sad moment, sitting on the couch, drinking my second bottle of wine, <laughs> what am I doing? I'm listening to music. I'm watching TV. I'm you know, that's art. That is li- like, what do we do in our free time for fun? When you're not working, what are you doing? And even if it's, even if what you're doing is like out walking your dogs, are you not listening to music? Are you not seeing somebody like performing? Listening you know, to my podcast. By? Yeah. Like listening, <laughs> are you not listening? This is, this is a form of art too. Like we're all, all, everything that we have right now in this world, everything that makes the world worth living in is art. It just is at the end of the day. You're absolutely right. So all I'm saying is to bring it full circle to the young people, we need you. To the accountants, we need you to do our taxes, but also be creative people. (laughs) Be creative with our taxes. We're not that creative though. Yeah, but I don't want to get in trouble with the IRS. (laughs) (laughs) So as you've gone through these various graceful phases of your life, what are some of the biggest challenges and some of the biggest rewards that you've experienced kind of in your life as a performer, your life as a nurse, and soon to be arts administrator extraordinaire? You know, I think rewards wise, it's hard to, it's hard to narrow it down to just like, you know, a few things, to be honest. Um, I think always though, the biggest rewards that I had were connections that I had with people, whether it be in a performance, which, you know, to me, like one of my favorite pieces that I worked on, which also gave me the most anxiety of my life, um, was, uh, singing Electra in Idomeneo and it was a school performance, but I got to work with such amazing artists, um, including like, I got to work with an amazing director, Marcus Shields, who is killing it out there. Marcus, um, really, was inspiring to work with and also like little things that you pick up from people, right? Like I remember him and I talking about how it's really difficult when you have conversations to look somebody in the eye. So I, I think very consciously about looking somebody in the eye when I talk to them now, because it's, it made a big difference for me. Like little, little things actually have become the most profound. Um, so that, or, um, working with moms, uh, especially moms that are delivering naturally, And let me tell you, there is no trophy either way, but working with moms that deliver naturally, I mean, the amount of strength that comes from them that you see, I mean, you don't get to see that amount of strength everywhere. And I do think that you see that in the arts. I do think you see that in everyday people. I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, strength is found everywhere. You just have to know where to look. Um, And it's very inspiring. 
Um, and who's to say as for my next steps? I don't know. I'm excited to see where it takes me. It's really funny. So I've been taking notes as we've been talking. <laughs> and we were talking before we started recording that you were like, I don't know, like what my piece of advice should be, which we'll get to in a minute. But you're like, I don't know. I talked to my husband about it. You know? <laughs> and I have like a whole page of notes here on like little tidbits that you've given me that are just little gems that I'm going to put in my little CSI podcast crown. And I'm just going <laughs> to carry them around with me because you are both beautiful and wise, my friend. So, well, a little extra bit of wisdom that is per my husband, that was my original tip that I was going to make before <laughs> you found all the other ones was if you're making grilled cheese, you have to coat the bread with mayonnaise. I'm telling you it works. I'm you it makes the most incredible grilled cheeses of your life. Put it, make it fancy, put in some prosciutto and some like arugula, whatever. But mayonnaise is the way to go. Listen, like, I'm classic. coming over to y'all's house for you grilled should. cheese. Please um, do. So do you put the mayonnaise like on the outside of the bread and like grill it that way? Or do you put it on yes. the inside? No, you grill it like that. And I'm telling you, it gets it that golden buttery crust that you want with butter and you don't always get and you burn it sometimes. Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, it is beyond delicious. And that was the piece of advice. I was like, what am I going to use? And Adam was like, this is it. And I was like, you're right, because it is probably the best piece of advice that we've gotten over the course of COVID. So you're welcome for the, the mayonnaise trick. So you heard it here first. I have been work I've been trying to get Sam on board for like years now to do a CSI cookbook. <gasps> I would love to participate in that. So you're gonna have to give me a good grilled cheese recipe. <laughs> I got you. I got you on that. That's for sure. Well, really, Adam's got you because we, <laughs> we both cook, but I'm telling you he's the grilled cheese master. Oh man, that's a good title to have. <laughs> <laughs> So as we're wrapping up here, do you want to talk about just like you said, Electra singing Electra and Idomeneo was something that was really memorable for you. But like what have been for you some of like your most memorable projects and mentors and just things that have kind of stuck with you and maybe given you life lessons for better or for worse? I think probably in terms of music. Um, I have so many, I mean, every single, I think if you're a musician and you go into a situation and you don't take something out of it, something's wrong, you should always be taking something out of it. Um, even if it's something negative that you can improve upon, but for me, um, well, you know, like, of course I'm thinking of like Sam right now. So Sam, <laughs> Sam and I met in our master's program together and he was actually my accompanist, my pianist for everything. Um, and one of the best moments that I had was truly my senior recital, even though I was dreading it every second of the way, but what is so special. And this is, you know, this kind of brings it around to art song. Um, because I think a lot of people don't really think as much about art song when they think about like, like opera. Um, but where does opera come from? If not art song in reality, like it's, it's art song on a stage. Um, but my favorite time ever was when we did my senior recital or master's recital, sorry, excuse me. And 
I got to curate every single bit of that music from the artistic choices to, you know, where I was, I just literally everything. And I think that that's super interesting because you kind of, you don't get, you don't get to see an art form that is so individually created except for when it is in song. Um, I didn't have a director. I worked with artistic coaches and stuff like that, but I didn't have a director helping me every single step of the way or telling me exactly what to do every single step of the day or telling me what my interpretation was, which I maybe didn't believe in, but I had to do because that's what they were doing. No, like I got to pick every step of the way and there is no truer art form than that. There really, really is not. And I, I would love to do another recital. I probably will think of putting one on the books at some point in the next year or two, but, um, yeah, that was probably my favorite. That was the, one of the more memorable moments. It's been a while since I did something like that. Can we use that as testimony on our website? CSI, there's no truer art form than song. I mean, there really isn't. There really <laughs> isn't. No, but it's true. And that's one of the things that like y'all who listen to this podcast regularly have heard me talk about this ad nauseum. But that's one of the things that one of the huge things that drew me to it in the first place is like you sang a Strauss art song. You're singing an opera. You know, you have these stories in these other German, German, French, English, whatever language you want art songs that are like dramatic and there's love and there's sex, drugs, violence, murder, gore, and, you know, just so many fantastical things that you get to choose your approach to that. You don't have anyone else telling you what to do. It's you and your interpretation, your feelings, your experiences being put into this music. And I think there is nothing for me. I mean, um, getting into an opera character is great, but at the end of the day, you're still collaborating with other people and figuring out, you know, what their vision is and how you can reconcile that with the work that you've done. But with art song, it's like there is nothing more vulnerable and nothing more true or exposing of yourself than when you sing, you know, I don't know. I have a couple Schubert songs in mind, but, you know, like <laughs> just when you have those really vulnerable moments of like I've done the work on this and this is me not only putting my voice out there but this is me putting like my heart soul interpretation like my whole self out there for the world to see and it's scary it's so scary and it's so individual I mean it's exactly that it's you putting your art for display and it is a collaboration of course like you're working with at least one other person Mm -hmm. if not more but you don't have somebody telling you what to do you're the one, you're the one that's depicting it. And, um, I think that that is like the sign of a true artist too. When you go to a recital and you're so moved by it. Yeah. You're moved by the music, but you're moved by the artist. And I think that that's like kind of the the biggest difference. And it is so much different live versus recorded. I cannot even tell you, like even coming to some CSI events, a couple weeks, was it last weekend, two weekends ago? I don't even know. feels like yesterday. Two, week, two weekends ago. Um, I mean, just co- going to them and being able to kind of like immerse yourself in it and just say, this is, this is truly art, really, truly, like in its very, very rarest form. 
um, and to appreciate it in whatever way you want to appreciate it, because then you can sit there and think whatever the heck you want to think. It's the best. It's the best. It really is. And there's something so special about getting to consume that live because you have like a different connection with people like you said it all comes down to that human connection yes it totally does it totally does it's all about human connection what is the point of life if not for that i mean in reality do you really want to sit on your couch all day doing nothing i mean maybe if you have a dog there um which i often do but you know it's just not the same than going out and talking to people or like even the conversations that we had, like that prompted this. I mean, that was very healing in many ways, I think for both of us, but also just like it, it gives you something to live for and to move on for and to talk about and to think about. And otherwise, what would you do? Watch Cobra Kai all day. Cause that's what I did today on Netflix, by the way, <laughs> a great show. That was me with Shit's Creek. So <laughs> Yeah. Also love that one. That's so true, though. And I feel like this is a really good way to sort of wrap all of this up is that I know I told you this story about how, like, I'm never one to talk to someone on airplanes Mm -hmm. ever. And I had, again, just like the universe putting what you need into your life at the right time. I sat next to this incredible woman who told me her life story And we both just ended up, like, sobbing on the plane and, like, just, you know, those sort of serendipitous human connections that really weren't possible for, like, the majority of the past two years, now that they're happening, make life feel so much more precious. And it's the same with music, you know, being bereft of live performance for so long, once you do have that back... I will never forget when I first saw live music last May when we were doing recordings for a CSI concert and I just sobbed because I was like, oh my God, this is what I've been missing for two years. I didn't have that level of human connection with anyone apart from like my husband for so long. And it's just, it is a beautiful thing that is to be treasured and encouraged also shout out to all of the couples that made it through covid and survived (laughs) (laughs) it was a hard run there you were like other than my husband i was like yes because you've met my husband you know he can talk to a wall um and i was not wall enough for him for a (laughs) minute i i don't got enough to listen to you but he was very understanding about that and understood that i needed my space and my alone time and my quiet um, so shout out to all the couples that made it through. Like you're stronger and better for it. <laughs> you really are. Yep, <laughs> for sure. But that all of that to say, I'm not sure if I would want to go through that again. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard time. It's a hard time. Anytime Let's like soon. maybe make COVID just go away now, or yeah. like just peter off. Just like no, <laughs> it's all, it's all good. I'd be happy. Like, with I'll wear just, a mask. I'll I'd wear be, a mask. It's I'd, all good. I'd be happy with endemic. I'd be happy. Yeah. Um, so Nicolette, as we're wrapping up here, do you have any, I mean, I can go through all of the advice that you've given us over the course of the last hour. I can go through that. If you have any other little nuggets you want to share. I mean, the mayonnaise on the grilled cheese really, that's brilliant. (laughs) I really, I'm going to try I've never done that before. So I'm going to try that, but, um, let's see. (laughs) I think the thing that I probably said the most 
was I honestly that things will pass, right? Like just kind of trust your gut. Things will pass. The universe will bring to you what you want. Um, and just trust, just trust, just have trust that things will work out because they will, if you're optimistic enough about them and that you have patience. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to keep up with Song Cycle, new episodes will be out on the first Monday of the month. So be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to us and be sure to check out our Spotify playlists. And as always, you can find out more at CincinnatiSongInitiative.org and you can follow us on all the socials. Until next time, just keep singing, y'all. <laughs>